all you gorgeous gators out there. Welcome back to another episode of A Little Greener, a podcast all about sustainability, conservation, and nature. I'm one of your hosts, Casey, and I'm joined by the wonderful Sarah. Hi, welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to see your face again. Good to be back here doing this. We only took one week off, but it feels like it's been forever, kind of. Yeah, I like woke up in the middle of the night the other day with like several anxieties, but one of them was I was like, wait, do I record tomorrow? It felt like it's too long. And no, we just took a little bit of time off to enjoy our holidays and for you to move into your new home. So yes, that's a big deal, Sarah. Congratulations. Thanks. I have a wall of boxes behind me right now and many more in front of me as well. But it is good to be back in my own space. So that was nice, but it was a lot. So I'm as much as I miss doing it when we don't do it, I'm very glad that we took last week off. It takes a lot of time to research episodes. It takes time to record. And then Sarah is our awesome editor. So yes, there's lots of hours that go into this. So I'm glad that uh, we, we gave you a little bit of a break. And speaking of breaks next week, you are also going to do a little bit of a break, but the pod will go on. The pod will go on without me. <laughs> Don't have too much fun. No, it's going to be great though. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear the episode. Yeah. We'll have our first guest host on. So I'll just leave you and like, let you ponder that and, and you'll hear that person's voice next week. But, um, just so you know, Sarah will not be on next week's episode, but she will be back. She's yep. just being a crazy person and running a marathon after moving. <laughs> We're using the word running very loosely here. I will it, be traveling the distance, hopefully, of a marathon. On foot. Slowly. And that's the impressive part, really. <laughs> uh, yes. So, but it has, we've, a lot has happened since the, the, yeah. the last time we talked, we had the holidays. So we celebrated both Christmas and New Year's. If you don't follow us on social media, I just wanted to real quick share those. First of all, to say thank you for supporting us through all of 2020, 2021, our inaugural year. Uh, We ended December on a super high note. It was our most downloaded month. We had more downloads in December of 2021 than any other month in the year. So it's just by having uh, a week off. So Thank you for that. That was a really uh, unexpected gift from all of you. We we really appreciate that. And we're excited to be back uh, for another year, I guess. We haven't quite been doing this for a full year. We haven't year, hit but, the year mark uh, yet, but, but I, it feels like, I mean, I don't know. I'm impressed with yeah. our longevity already. So <laughs> here's to many more yes. uh, weeks and New Year's passing. And we did, there were a couple of things that happened in the news since we met last that we wanted to touch on real quick. Casey, do you want to share kind of those sort of animal and nature related news updates? Yeah. um, We lost two people that I think normally people wouldn't really um, associate with each other, but were really, really important in different ways to the world of nature. And so the first one who passed away was E.O. Wilson. Edward O. Wilson um, was a really incredible scientist who um, kind of helped pilot the study of island biogeography, but was a very prolific writer on all sorts of nature-related, ecology-related sciences. Um, He produced an amazing amount of work. He really changed the way a lot of people thought about the science. And I think that it's incredible that we only lost him just now. 
Um, and something I posted on Facebook is that it was a good reminder to me that um, scientific breakthroughs are still happening and things that we think of as being very old are capable within our lifetime to expand upon and make lots of our own discoveries, especially in the world of nature. And I, I found a quote from him that I thought was really apropos to our particular podcast yes. because he was a scientist, but he was also a writer who was trying to educate the general public as well. And so he said, you teach me, I forget, you show me, I remember, you involve me, I understand. Um, and so that's something I think taking forward. Um, and if you're looking for like interesting reads, even if ones that you're like, this is a little wild, you can check out some of his books because he's got some really cool ideas out there. Yeah, I'm slightly ashamed to say that I've never read any. I have a couple of his books that I haven't read yet. I've talked about him for a long time and never actually read any of his stuff. So I probably should do that. But I really like this quote and I agree, like it feels co connected to what we're doing and what we, we want to do here. So I hope you all listening feel that too. And when we do these weekly challenges and things like that, that's, that's what we're trying to do for ourselves and for our listeners yes. is to just to, to get more involved so that these things really become more personal to us. So, and that other person that we lost this week was Betty White, which I think probably much more people are familiar with Betty White, uh, mostly as an actress, but she was actually an incredible advocate for animals throughout her life. Um, she was a big supporter of zoos and animal conservation. And so, you know, the, the, a friend to nature has yeah. been lost too soon at 99. So what an incredible lady. Yeah, there have been a couple of campaigns going around that I've seen because her birthday, I guess, yeah. is coming up, I think, the 17th of January. I think it's the 17th. Yes. And so people are suggesting making a donation in her name either to, yeah, your local zoo, a favorite conservation organization, or um, a pet adoption group or something like that yeah. of your choice, um, which I think is a great idea to honor her and to help out. And if you can't uh, donate, you could also do things like volunteer at your mm -hmm. local shelter or, you know, go, yeah, go and honor her in some way and something that she would love. One of the things I really liked about Betty White's relationships with animals is sometimes you see celebrities pho photographed with animals and typically it's the fuzzy ones. And mm -hmm. like, they're a lot of people who identify themselves as animal people draw the line at scaly friends. <laughs> um, but there are also photos of Betty White with like frogs in her hands yeah. and snakes on her shoulder. And she looks equally thrilled in those as she is when she's got like a giraffe with her. And I just think that's really lovely. And I appreciate her passion. Um, so she will be missed as well. Um, another remarkable person connected to this field who has inspired lots of people to um, love their local, local zoo and local wildlife. So missing EO Wilson and Betty White this week. And these are two people who spend a lot of time in nature, right? Absolutely. That's what we're talking about this yeah, week. Yeah, that's that's kind of where we're going to go <laughs> for this week. So uh, obviously I just moved back to the state of Florida. And so that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. I, I know that this is a time of year where a lot of people kind of make their resolutions or make their goals. And, and uh, uh, sometimes people make those related to nature. It is kind of one of my goals for this year to get out and explore a little more and keep learning about my own local wildlife. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight is the, the local wildlife of Florida. Before we dive into that, Casey, 
my question for you this week, we might have touched on this in, in past episodes, but I want to, I want to hear it again. What's on your animal or nature viewing bucket list? What's something that you haven't seen yet that you really want to see? So probably when I thought about this question in depth, my answer was orangutan because they're my favorite oh. animal. And I feel like they would be very challenged. Like the, the nature of an arboreal animal is that they are challenging to see out in the wild. They're mm-hmm. pretty seclusive or uh, secluded, I, I, reclusive, secluded and reclusive, <laughs> both accurate and both apply. I'm <laughs> coining that word, but, uh, but really the first thing that popped into my head, because today we are talking about kind of things that you can find in your backyard. And so I thought about native wildlife mm-hmm. sort of first, and even though they're not local here, I really want to see a moose. Oh gosh, <laughs> you said this before. And this is, that's the opposite of my bucket list. If I never see a moose in the wild, I'll be happy. I don't want to be close to a moose, but like I've seen elk and just like been so impressed in their presence because mm-hmm. they're large and like really beautiful when you like spend time looking at them, especially in those groups, but moose are just a next level. Yeah. Just fantastic. I don't want to be close to yeah. a moose. Like, just like I've seen bison, I don't want to be close to a wild bison, but I, I want to see a moose. That seems like an attainable challenge. To yeah. Me. I have been close to bison in the car, like oh, okay. yeah, yeah. crossing in, in the road in front of us. It was amazing. I would actually also be super excited to see a moose. I would just be like... N- 70% level excited and like 99% level terrified, I think, at the same time. So, even if I wasn't close. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. And and as you say, I think attainable depending on where you go. So I have I have a few bucket listers that are native to my state here in Florida, two of which I think are attainable. The third I'm not going to go looking for, and it's, it's probably less attainable. Uh, one of them is a bear, black bears. I mean, I would love to see any bear. I obviously can't see brown bears here. I would love to see black bear, both living in Florida. And I used to live in South Florida in Naples. Always kept an eye out, never got to see one. I've been, you know, hiking in Tennessee, always looking for those bears, never gotten to see one. I just think it would be so cool uh, to see one in the wild. So bear, I think is attainable. I think that's yeah, going to happen I've seen eventually. You're lucky. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw a bear for, I should say, 0.2 seconds yeah, outside still, of a car window driving fine. through Yellowstone. But yeah. it was a baby and it was oh. so little. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would take that. The other one is a cougar. Okay. So, you know, we don't think of a lot of big predators here in the United States, but we have cougar, mountain lion, whatever you want to call it. Here in Florida, they're called Florida panthers. It's the same animal. We'll talk about it. Um, But much more rare, um, probably much less likely for me to ever come across one. And like I said, that's one I'm not going to go looking for, but I do think it would be cool if I were out to just see one from afar, you know, going. I feel like they're more likely to be watching you than you are to ever see them and see, I picked herbivores. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm a cat person. What can I say? I think it would be cool. And then my third one is another one that we're going to talk about tonight. It's the burrowing owl. Are you familiar with burrowing? Of course I am. 
they're adorable uh and i would love to see one eventually we'll talk about more of that though uh when we talk about what florida wildlife has to offer so stick around for that All right, welcome back, everyone. We're going to dive right into it. Florida wildlife, exploring natural Florida. I wanted to talk about this tonight for a couple of reasons we've talked about on this podcast before, I think probably really early on in our Get Outside episode, this idea that when you think of wildlife, when you think of natural places, a lot of times at least my tendency, so maybe I'm just projecting, but I think people often think of faraway places. You think of going to another part of the country, you need to you know, travel to a, a big national park or you need to go to Africa or you know, go on safari or something like that uh, to really experience exciting wildlife. And that just isn't the case, no matter where you live, there's, awesome nature that's right around you. Sometimes you just have to look a little harder for it. Um, and uh, uh, like that that quote that we started off with by E.O. Wilson, you have to go see it, you have to learn about it, you have to get involved in it in order to fully appreciate it. So that's kind of one of the motivations for doing this episode. And also, like I said, I, I do kind of just have a personal goal for myself to get out and explore a little more. So this is partially self-serving for me to do this episode as well to learn a little bit about the options uh, that I have to go wildlife viewing here in Florida. And I do think that before I lived in this state for the first time, before I really started to get involved in nature and conservation, I never really thought of Florida as being a particularly exciting or interesting place. Like when I think about Florida, I think about basically like scrubland, just like big flat. So interesting to me because I have always thought that this is like, it's the only place in in the United States other than Hawaii that seems tropical to me, like has any bit of of like, like it it doesn't surprise me that it's an extremely biodiverse, both like on a landscape level and Right. animal live as well. And it, it definitely is, which we'll talk about. But again, I know that now. I didn't know that, you know, when I was in college, when I first moved down here um, the first time. So I just, you know, I wanted the mountains. We've, I love oh, Tennessee yeah. and the Great Smoke. Like there's, there's, if you go to say the Great Smoky Mountains or whatever, and then you go down to the Everglades, like for me, <laughs> one just has a more immediate like sure. awe-inspiring feeling. Now, knowing what I know, I'm equally inspired by the Everglades, but I think just kind of previously before knowing about that, it didn't it didn't seem particularly exciting to me. And I have a feeling, especially folks who are not invested in the natural world, when they think of Florida, they're thinking of beaches, they're thinking of theme parks, and they're probably not thinking so much about all of the, the great nature um, that Florida has to offer but it has a lot. (laughs) There's really a ton uh, of great diversity here. As you were saying, you know, we think of Everglades, Everglades, like a glade is literally a field of 
grass. And so Everglades National Park was literally named for these giant uh, fields of, of grass. Um, but it's it's got a lot more than that. And those fields of grass are extremely important to wildlife and even to our own water supply and things like that. Um, but it does have those grassy scrub areas. Florida also has hardwood forests. There's pine forests. You've got your marine ecosystems here in Florida, right? You've got coastal ecosystems. You've got freshwater wetlands. You've got saltwater wetlands. You've got your, you do have just dry prairie grasses as well. So there's a ton of different types of habitats, types of ecosystems, and therefore a ton of different types of wildlife that are supported here. So as I was reading about these different things, I came across this uh, website called Landscope America. Have you seen or heard of this, Casey? Nope. The website is um, landscope.org and you should check it out. It's kind of a joint venture um, between a, an organization called NatureServe, which I'm not familiar with, as well as National Geographic. And they're basically just it seems like compiling data and uh, resources and photos and all of that um, about natural places across the United States. And they have some things listed by state as well. So they have a page for Florida and um, the different habitats and ecosystems that it has there. So um, it looks kind of cool and I'm excited to follow it as they keep building that uh, website. Um, but according to them, Florida has the, the greatest diversity of plant families of all of the states in the United States. It has as many as 300 plants. They say 40 vertebrate species and 400 invertebrate species that are found nowhere else in the world, which is pretty impressive. That's taken directly from their uh, website. I will say, take that with a little grain of salt on, on their list. Like when I go to find um, the endemic species of Florida, so endemic means that they're found nowhere else. Um, they only have 14 vertebrate species listed as opposed to 40. So I don't know if that's an incomplete list or if it just depends a little bit on, on how um, you're defining it too. But regardless of the specific numbers there, Florida is a pretty cool biodiversity kind of hotspot. I would bet that there are more than 400 invertebrates just found endemic in Florida as well, just because of our like limited knowledge yes. on invertebrate diversity. So. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think those are possibly the plant number it could be higher there as well. It's yeah. the, it's the vertebrate species though that I, I yeah. might you be can too see high. All I'm that. not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but regardless, a lot of cool stuff. We're just scratching the surface today, right? We don't have all of the time in the world. I'm just going to pull out a few uh, example species that you might think about when you think about Florida. We'll talk through them and talk about uh, some places that you might be able to go see them and some resources that you can use if you're coming down. Uh, you know, in addition to being a, a cool spot for wildlife, Florida is a pretty popular vacation spot too. So uh, if you're listening and wanting to come visit us down here, we'll give you some good resources for how you can plan your trip as well. But Casey, we're going to talk about some animals. When you think of Florida, I asked this question on my social media as well, but when you think of Florida, what animals, animal or animals do you think of immediately? So I opened this episode with the one that first pops to mind, which is alligators, 100%. Um, which are iconic and amazing. And I want to be really clear that like, I have a lot of respect for them, but they are also 
them and crocodiles, the ones that make like the bottom of my stomach drop out. Like, <laughs> you know this about me. Yep. We got crocodiles at our last job. I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is not what I want. <laughs> I was so surprised, but yes, I do remember this. And I love reptiles. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the reptile. It is that these are like just they're too impressive. Okay. You cannot survive from like the times of the dinosaurs to now and like not be scary as heck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like props to them, but also, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, is that, is that your main one? Do you have any others that you kind of think of? Oh, I sure, 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 sure. We are going to talk about alligators, but manatees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, manatees pop into my mind. Um, I know we're going to talk about the Florida Panther. They pop up too, because they have Florida in their name, even though I don't really associate, like I've, like you've said, I've never seen them in Florida. What I've seen alligators, I've seen manatees, uh, sea turtles. I actually think about because lots of beachy areas, Uh but when I last visited Florida, I, I went to Disney world and, um, the thing that kind of struck me even that you could see at Disney world was that there's lots of birds around yeah. everywhere. Um, specifically ibises that were being yes. annoying, <laughs> Yeah. um, but so many cool different birds that like, you don't get to see. And we talked about this in our migratory bird episode is that like Florida gets to maintain a lot more of its birds throughout the year. So lots of cool stuff there. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about those ones that you just mentioned. I just, I was curious to see what you had to say. It was surprising to me when I, when I put this out on social media, a couple of people said gator. I thought everybody was going to say alligator. Like I thought that was going to be the top answer. Um, but it was only mentioned by a couple of people. Ibis was one that I wasn't <laughs> expecting <laughs> that a couple of people mentioned as well. Yeah. A, a bunch of people mentioned some different bird species. Florida is an amazing birding spot. Um, but, but yeah, the Ibis are everywhere. And I think I'm just so used to them at this point that I don't (laughs) think of them as it would be like saying, you know, oh, identify Robins with Indiana or something like that. Like they're just, they're just everywhere. So I don't, I don't think about it, but some people did mention, um, the Ibis is being uh, associated with Florida. So I, well, I'm also interested because um, Florida Panthers and Gators are both sports team names Mm -hmm. of major institutions within, um, Florida. So to me, it like makes sense for just the average lay person yeah. to be like Florida Panther, American alligator, like two yeah. off the list because football and hockey people wear these jerseys. Right. So. Good for you for knowing the Florida Panthers. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm impressed knowing, knowing your hockey teams. <laughs> um, so we will start with the alligator. Cause I, that is, like I said, that's the one that I thought was going to be the, the most common response this is in fact the state reptile uh, of florida they're found throughout the entire state this is not an animal that's unique to florida though so if you live in the southeastern united states uh you may have seen these around yeah, your neck don't of get the woods. Yeah. indignant louisiana we yeah. know you got lots of them <laughs> out there too <laughs> yep um but they are fairly ubiquitous. This is one that you, you're not, if you come to visit, you're not going to have to necessarily go to a nature preserve or anything like that. You might just see one as you're driving down the road, especially if you're driving by a golf course or something like that, or a water retention pond, keep your eyes peeled. You never know, uh, when you're going to see one and they're fun. I still get excited, even though they are, um, pretty commonplace to see around here. I still get excited. It's just fun. Like Casey's, I mean, 
for an animal that's been on earth for so long, uh, they are just uh, impressive. I think they're amazing. So I love seeing them. Yeah. They're, they're impressive. I have a really great memory of being a kid and going down to Florida and us going to a park and like all the bald cypress with the Spanish moss, I love the like Spanish coming moss. off of the branches yeah. of trees. It was like, it felt so almost fake in how immersive, mm-hmm. like how place specific it felt. Um, and then going and like, there's pictures of 10 year old me, like probably too close to an alligator who didn't <laughs> care. Like, you know, like the alligators down there, don't really like that's the thing about alligators is they don't really care about you like yep. don't tempt them don't be a jerk to them be but like yeah. they're not gonna like my fear is that they're so much faster than I am don't get in the water with them but like they're not they're just gonna sit on the beach most gonna, of the yeah. time yeah yeah um and they're a cool conservation success story too. I think that's, you know, one of my favorite things when we did get them at our last workplace, that was fun to talk about. I love to talk about those positive stories. I love to talk about when conservation works. Um, and and the American alligators was a species that was on the endangered species list due to overexploitation, over, over hunting habitat loss. And they are straight up thriving now. (laughs) They do still have um, protections due to their similarity in appearance to another Florida native I want to talk about real quick, uh, which is the American crocodile, um, which does still need our help, is still an endangered species. Endangered? Vulnerable? I actually can't remember for sure. American crocodiles, you're not likely to see when you Mm -hmm. come down to Florida. They are found only in the southern tip of Florida in in those Everglades. Uh, And fun trivia fact for you, uh, you can impress your friends, that southern part of Florida is literally the only place in the world that you can find alligators and crocodiles together in the same place in the wild. It's not quite as impressive as it sounds when you know that there's only two species of alligators in the world. Um, and, yeah, the, but the, the, and, the, and the Chinese, but it's pretty cool. It's pretty if you're not familiar with alligators and crocodiles, you're probably like, they're the same thing. Yeah. So why should I be impressed? But actually um, they're very different. They are much more different than like a lion and a tiger is, mm-hmm. for example, they split way long ago. Um, and crocodiles are typically found in more salty habitats versus alligators who don't have the same sort of salt tolerance and ability to regulate that salt in their bodies. So they typically don't live in the same habitat at all. Um, so it is pretty cool that Florida has both of them in relatively the same yeah. brackish habitats. Well, but, and again, that's just kind of going to show the diversity of those habitats down there in the Everglades, um, to being able to support both of those species. So it's pretty cool. Again, this is just a glimpse. So those are a couple of the big ones. Lots of other amazing reptiles being being a sort of tropical, subtropical environment. It's it's great space for those reptiles. We have, again, not, not specific to Florida, but you may have heard of the gopher tortoise. This is another protected species in the state. Both the animals and their nests themselves. Gopher tortoises are like real estate moguls. They're a keystone <laughs> species here in Florida because they dig these amazing burrows that are long and deep underground. So they're nice and temperature stable for them. And they'll dig multiple burrows and use multiple burrows. And so other animals will use their burrows 
as shelters when they're not there, or sometimes even when they are there, they'll share uh, the same burrow. So they are a keystone species um, supporting their environment here in Florida. There is actually one at my workplace that I get to drive behind. That's all like it's staked off to show where it is. So like the mowers won't bother it and stuff. And because it's been so uh, unseasonably warm down here uh, the past couple of weeks, he's been out a lot and just they're so cute. He's just out sitting there. <laughs> have you him. named him uh, he He's does like a have a guy, name right? i can't remember what w- my coworkers were telling me they call him i can't remember but that's your does, homework for next time does have a name. <laughs> I'll, yeah i'll ask so they're they're pretty cool um sea turtles you mentioned sea turtles as being a, a florida icon species to you i actually didn't think about sea turtles at all this this would be another really cool one i've never seen one. I've never done a sea turtle walk uh, or anything like that, um, but there are some really cool programs and things like that related to sea turtles down here that you can participate in. I will stress this too. If you want to see sea turtles, make sure that you're doing it responsibly. There's a lot of cool wildlife down here. Unfortunately, there's a lot of perhaps less responsible animal sites, sort of roadside attraction type of things that you can go to as well. So like we've talked about before on this podcast, you do sometimes just have to do a little bit of research. I would actually recommend the Florida Fish and Wildlife website if you want to look into sea turtle programs, not because it's the most organized or most updated website always, but because you know that that's going to give you things that are official and supported and permitted if you're interested. But there are, depending on the season, sea turtle education programs and sea turtle walks, like night beach walks that you can do in a responsible manner if you want to see those animals. Lots of different snake species, I think over 40 different snake species. Um, The eastern indigo snake is another one that is a state-threatened species that's protected. They're these sort of big, long, beautiful kind of They're like 10 feet long, like really long and non-venomous. Yeah, non-venomous, but beautiful kind of- So cool. Yeah, they're gorgeous snakes. So lots of cool reptiles. If you're into your herping- Come on down to Florida. Um, Let's go on to the next one. Another bucket list item for me. Another one that you mentioned, Casey, that quote unquote Florida panther. This is the state animal of Florida. I learned just some things to get out of the way when talking about the Florida panther. So this is a, a subspecies. So if you've heard of a cougar or a puma or a mountain lion, the, those are all the same this animal and the yes. same animal as the Florida panther. Some people don't even really consider the Florida panther to be truly a subspecies. They say they're all the same thing. But Basically, the Florida panther, this population that we have in Florida, has just been cut off from the rest of the population of mountain lions. So um, in that way, they're sort of genetically distinct now. But in the past, they have brought in western cougars as well, because one of the problems that Florida panthers have had with being cut off from the rest of the population is that loss of genetic flow, which leads to a lot of inbreeding, which leads to health problems and disease and lots of other things as well. So they've brought in um, Western Panthers to help with that kind of flow of genetic material as well. So 
Um, that sort of taxonomy aspect of it aside, uh, this is a really cool animal um, to, to have here in Florida even if I never get to see one. Uh, according to the National Park Service website, their current population is estimated to be fewer than 100, but I actually think that that might be outdated. I read some other sources that now say that it's higher than that. Still that high, though, at just over around 200 individuals, and the Florida panther now has just about 5% of their original range. So habitat loss and habitat fragmentation is a huge, huge deal for this animal. Um, even aside from those issues that I already mentioned in terms of genetics and breeding and all of that, some interesting things that you might not think about cause, that cause issues with this habitat loss is it's putting these more solitary cats in closer contact with each other and that actually can lead to some infighting between species. So they're killing each other off, <laughs> which is not good in oh, an already wow. small population. But also, Casey, something that you've talked about on the podcast before in terms of wildlife and roads um, is just an increased number of, of car collisions um, with these animals. So lots of challenges for the panther here in Florida. Yeah, I think you touched upon a couple of things that I think are really interesting. Um, number one is that species science is not 100% science. Um, <laughs> when you name something the Florida panther, everybody in Florida takes a little bit of ownership over yep. the population of animals. And I think there's a good argument to be made that the conservation of an animal living in a particular type of ecosystem is valuable in itself, even if you're like, there's plenty of mountain lions, other places. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing is that I think in South America, they have seen cougars, um, being more cooperative than they've ever seen before. Really? Yes. And so I'm going to have to do more research on that, but that has to do with an area of habitat that was extremely restored from its like former degradation. And so it's behavior that they haven't really seen in other ones with Florida having such limited habitat available for them. That infighting is probably not just a result of space, but also a result of a lack of resources. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I was reading an NPR article that put, that was uh, interviewing a biologist for Panthers. And he was saying that they have about oh, over 200, but then like in the last two weeks, two of them had been killed by cars when they were interviewing him. And that was from May, 2021. So that's okay. like a very recent article. Um, but yes, that like vehicle collision is a huge issue for these animals. And that's not that's something that they would ever have to worry about in a natural environment. So, um, this apex predator, I, I think a theme we're kind of touching on here is that as like intimidating as I find both uh, alligators and pumas, we are, we are the apex predator. <laughs> we yeah. are, we are top of the food chain, top of the um, ecosystem deciding chain, at least for a lot of these species. Yeah. Good points. And I will go back to the Florida Panther thing just for a moment, because this is, it is something that you sort of I, I won't say make me angry. I used to get really annoyed about, I was like, <laughs> because as you say, it's not just about the science and I taxonomy is a thing that frustrates me anyway. Cause again, it's all just man-made. An yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but uh, so I would just get into like it. It just doesn't make any sense. Like it's not any different. Like this is. Um, but it is. It it stopped making me mad because I've realized that it is exactly what you just said. And again, going back to that E.O. Wilson quote, right? This is calling it the Florida Panther is a way to make you feel that much more involved, right? This is my mm-hmm. thing. This is personal to me and my state here, and I need to help protect it. We've made it the state animal. It's on license plates. It's you know, so uh, it's getting the word out and wanting people to protect it, and that is a good thing. I wish that we didn't have to do that. Uh, in order to get people to care. So I still don't like it from from that perspective. I don't feel like we should have to sort of twist things a little bit to get people to care, but I I understand it as well. And and panthers are not the only big cats that have this. Uh, also, we're using the word panther, which applies to like a bajillion different cat species. Um, but like uh, <laughs> Sarah has feelings about this too. Well, I, it's just the black panther thing that yes, you know yeah. this. When you hear the phrase black panther, I wasn't going to talk about this. It's not really relevant, but now I have to say it. Uh, <laughs> when you hear a black panther, that is not the same panther that we're talking about right now. Florida panthers cougars, whatever. They don't come in black. They are a beautiful sort of tan, um, beige. They're gorgeous. They do have, can have a little gray tinge to them, but when you, when you see a black cat, what people will call a black quote panther sometimes is either uh, a leopard or a jaguar that have these melanistic phases where their coats are black. And if you look real close, you can still see, they actually do have the spots, but, um, it just confuses people. There you go. It, it is very confusing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I was going to say that these, these cats uh, are not the only ones who have this sort of situation with yeah. tigers. There's a lot of questions about mm-hmm. like, what's really the difference between some of these tigers yeah. and what they've, one of the arguments for not trying to like make them all one subspecies is no, if you do that, then people don't have as much stake in trying to protect their tiger. They're part of our team now and they are part of my identity and I must protect them. So, Hey, human psychology is a huge part of conservation. Um, and bleeds into science too. Yep. So I say, go for it. Florida Panther. I've, I've accepted it. <laughs> um, so another one, Casey, that you mentioned that was a new animal to me when I first moved to Florida, I wasn't super familiar with them is the Florida manatee. This might be one, if you're not an animal person, you might not be as familiar with Casey. Can you explain manatees to us? What is a manatee? Okay. So you're, (laughs) you're like in the shallow part of the ocean and you come across what looks like a 800 pound gray potato. Um, and it's got like, this is exactly why I asked this question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and really like no more defining shape than a potato other than like a paddle like tail. tail. Yeah. Yeah. And then a snout that is very snuffly and it's like, separated into like two lips basically like stick out that stick out a little bit and and then two front flippers that do basically very very little um it does help them walk yeah with and they will use them to bring food up to their mouth and it's so cute because it like barely reaches uh yeah it's it's really cute i mean like 
it is hard not to like a manatee. If you spend some time with a manatee, if you, if you are above the man, I will say my, most of my experience with manatees has to do with zoos. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see them in a zoo exhibits, um, in the, if you're in the Midwest, actually Cincinnati and Columbus both have manatees that they rehab from Florida, which is yep. very cool. Um, but they have exhibits where the glass goes up. So the water would go up above your head and seeing them in action from that angle versus the like basically gray potato, like shapeless sort of situation going on from the upper view, you just get a big appreciation as they like munch on their lettuce that these are just gentle, majestic potatoes. I I don't know if I would use the word majestic, but majestic majestic potato, it feels a little bit better. Yeah. than just straight up majestic. Oh yeah. 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 We're not talking about like a whale like no yeah we're, we're talking about something that has you know. much less con- like yeah. speed and direction but it is uh it is amazing nonetheless gosh I'm so glad I asked you that question <laughs> uh that was way better than anything I would have said uh, if you don't live near those areas that he's just mentioned I, I'm not sure where else in the in the United States at, at least you can see manatees the, also not unique to Florida. They are most likely to be found in Florida in the wintertime in particular. In the warmer months, their range will will broaden a little bit. But if you don't live near somewhere where you can see a manatee, never fear. You can go to savethemanatee.org. They have some live manatee cams. It's through explore.org. So you can go there as well and just spend some time watching some manatees. Again, right now, you'll probably have pretty good luck uh, at the they have manatee cams at a couple different places in Florida, and this is the right time of year to see it. So you can check that out. Maybe we can post that link um, to our social media if you want to see some manatees. But yeah, so these are um, marine mammals. We mentioned them on our marine mammal episode. Um, they can actually be found in both freshwater and saltwater habitats, but they are, yeah, just these kind of slow moving, gentle uh, they're, they're totally herbivores. So they just are kind of going and grazing and munching on their sea grasses. They're called sea cows sometimes is a name they'll be referred to as, and it's very apropos. It makes sense, uh, when you see them, there is also this idea that sailors used to think that manatees were mermaids. Um, I don't see that. <laughs> I don't see how you can see a manatee and confuse it for a, a human-like thing, but I blame dehydration. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> There's no way. It's the I mean, like, so when you them. see them too, yeah, when you see them, you, the first thought that crosses my mind is like, how are you still around? Like, I get why the yeah. alligators are around, but how are you still around? But they are just so big that most natural predators are not able to feed upon the larger ones, but there used to be like stellar sea cows were mm-hmm. another member of this Cyrenians family that was way bigger that humans hunted to extinction. And it's only because of conservation efforts yeah. that, uh, that these guys are still around and, and that like humans also like cute things nowadays. Yeah. So manatees fall in that category. So, um, it's, it's easy to have some empathy for an injured manatee. Boat strikes is one of their big threats right now. They yes. get injured from boat strikes. So again, that's just something that you can do if you if you live here, if you're a tur- tourist, just be responsible. There's usually a lot of posted signage around manatee areas and speed reduction uh, 
and, and all of those types of things. If you are looking to see a manatee, um, Blue Spring State Park is probably the most popular viewing location in my, in kind of the central Florida area. Um, I think that I have seen a manatee in the wild once if this was out at uh, Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge, uh, which is out on the East Coast, the Space Coast, which is one of my favorite places to go. But quite honestly, it was too far away. It could have just been a log floating in the water. I'm not really sure. So manatee is still on my bucket list of things to see for sure. Uh, interestingly, as I was reading about this, researching this episode, I did read uh, about some the manatees in the news recently within the past uh, month or so um, that there's currently kind of a, a, a crisis event with manatees going on right now. Um, they, they are an endangered species and there's been extra high mortality lately with these manatees that are basically starving to death. And this seems to be a result of algal blooms um, in the summertime coming from fertilizer run off and things like that, which we've talked about this previously on episodes. I think we talk about it a little bit in the water cycle episode, um, but this runoff leading to these algal blooms that have destroyed the seagrass beds that the manatees depend on. So again, this is all connected. So uh, wildlife officials are actually stepping in to feed them, which is a tough, people are like, why? Of course they should. And why didn't they do this sooner? But it's a complicated thing. And, you know, there are places even in Florida where you can go swimming in areas where manatees live. That's not actually something I even want to do. It is fine if you do it, um, but you are, you know, there are rules to follow and you're not to approach or touch. And we want to be responsible and not get uh, wildlife sort of accustomed to people. And so there are a lot of things to think about for wildlife officials before they step in and do things like this, but they are swimming stepping in, in to, yeah. to feed them. Uh, swimming in, in Florida this. has yes. very little appeal to No, I don't want to do it. No. There's alligators. Guys, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Always not even what mind. it is for me, but I just, um, I just. Is it the manatee poop? Is it? No, it's not. I just want to the- watch okay. and I would feel, I, I would feel too weird about it. It feels like there's just a Intrusive. line somewhere. Yeah. yeah. That I personally don't want to cross, even though it is perfectly allowed, uh, at these certain locations. But anyway, that's the manatee. Check out the manatee cam. If you've never seen one before, the last species that I want to touch upon is the, the one we mentioned in the intro bucket list animal for me, the burrowing owl guys. If you've never seen a burrowing owl, I have seen them before Google in, it in right a now. zoo setting. Um, but I've never seen one in the wild and really want to, they're these tiny little, they're like little teeny mini owls that look like they're on stilts. Basically they're they live like, on the ground. Yeah. Which they live on the, you don't yeah. think about owls living yeah. on the ground and they look very mad all the time. Like you have made them very grumpy by just looking at them, but they're so cute. They're just so, adorable. So cute. I should have put a picture on here just to make us smile, but uh, we can share a picture with you, uh, that listeners. Um, but I, have you ever read the book Hoot, Casey? It's a, I, I it's saw a that you mentioned novel. this in it. And Hoot was like one of my favorite books growing up. Yeah. I was obsessed. If you have a like 10 to 12 year old in yeah. your life that you want to like, get them a book that they might like hoots the way to go there's a character in it called mullet fingers who's like 
I don't want to give away the plot, but burrowing owls are like a crux point in the plot. Um, but his name's mullet fingers. Cause he can catch mullets like, which are fish with his yeah. fingers. I spent that summer out on like a little inflatable dinghy in my pop-ups pond, trying to catch minnows and being like my minnow fingers. Like I, that book really like struck a chord with me. That's awesome. Um, and it's basically kid conservation. It's awesome. Yeah. And he's got a few of them. Um, I feel old now I was older when I, when I read the book, but I still appreciated it because that was kind of, I read it when I was sort of getting into conservation. So, mm -hmm. um, I really appreciated it from that standpoint. And, and Carl Hyacin is the author he's written a lot of a ton of books and books for adults and stuff, but he's written a few of those sort of conservation minded books for that age range, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, who was the one that made me want to see a burrowing owl um, in the wild? I know that if you are listening to us from out west that you might be like, whatever, um, because burrowing owls are more, more common in the western United States. But here in the eastern half of the country, Florida is the only place that you can see burrowing owls, And they are another state threatened species here in Florida. Um, and my understanding is that they used to be kind of more widespread uh, throughout the state, but once again, habitat loss, human expansion has kind of forced them further out of the central Florida area, um, that I live in, but there's still kind of pockets within the state that they're more, uh, it's a little more readily, uh, able to see them. I did find a spot that I think is like an hour from me, which I'll talk about, um, more uh, before we wrap up here in a minute about where I found this spot, but I, so I will keep you updated. Hopefully in the next few weeks, I'm going to try to get out there and see if I can find some owls. Okay. Sarah, you were like, well, maybe if you're in the Western U.S., you're kind of like, whatever. If there is a listener here who sees any kind of owl, I don't care what kind of owl it is. And it's like, whatever like no <laughs> owls are so owls cool. are so cool and i do like, get really excited not in like a even just like a mysticizing because they're so like associated mm -hmm. with magic kind of way but just in a like what interesting strange raptors you are and we will we actually got a request for an episode about yes. owls and we will do an episode about Definitely. owls that uh we will dive into why they're so cool but this whole episode has really been about like re-examining your backyard and looking for really interesting animals and if you have uh owls in your backyard of any sort and Kristen our friend texted me literally yesterday and I was like oh an owl <laughs> <laughs> yes um so you should be like looking at it a little bit with new eyes because not everyone gets to get your point of view um what might be very like like occasionally I see these white tailed deer that are in my backyard and think like Meh, white tailed deer. But when you like sit and really watch them, How you, cool it reminds me. Yeah. It's so like incredible. And so many people do not get to see, um, megafauna in any mm -hmm. sort, um, let alone like wild animals in any sort of close contact. So spending some time being quiet around the things that are just in your backyard, whether they're as big as an alligator, as small as a burrowing owl or a bug or whatever, like getting a little immersed in that magic, I think is what this episode's really all about. Yeah. 100%. That's the hope anyway. So hopefully y'all listening can feel that. I do want to throw out a few honorable mention birds here because as we've talked about, Florida is a great birding spot and people did think a lot of birds when I asked what 
what species they thought of. We already talked about the white ibis, again, just a common bird that you'll see. So if you come visit, you'll see these little white birds. They kind of have bright orange legs and long orange uh, curved bills. You'll see them everywhere. A couple of others that you, you might get to see, we've got roseate spoonbills down here, which are pretty cool. A, a pink bird, sometimes people <laughs> see them and think they're flamingos just because they're pink, um, but they're much shorter than flamingos. And they do have this kind of spoon shaped bill and they will stand in the water and they'll kind of just wave their bills back and forth in the water and they have, um, they're really sensitive. And so they'll kind of catch their food by feel that way, just kind of waving those spoon bills back and forth in the water. I've seen them twice in the wild. Once was at um, that Merritt Island National Wildlife Refuge. And the other, I was just sitting outside on my lunch break at work and three of them just flew overhead and it was magical. Cool birds. We do have flamingos uh, debate. I think now they are referring that to them as a native species here in Florida. Again, only you'll see them in the southernmost um, tip of the state anymore these days. The red cockaded woodpecker is uh, another bird species that is um, endemic to the United States that can be found here in Florida. And then another one that I really want to see that I can't, I probably have seen, but I haven't been able to de definitively identify for myself quite yet, is the Florida scrub jay which is a bird that is endemic specifically to Florida, is found nowhere else. There's uh, a push now to get this bird to be named the state bird. I think the That's Florida state bird right now is the mockingbird, but people are, because of the things that we were talking about earlier with the Florida panther and that, that kind of state pride, people are saying that it should be <clears throat> the state bird because it is uh, only found here. Uh, it is listed as vulnerable by the IUCN. It's kind of like a medium-sized songbird. It's a similar blue, maybe a little bit more dull blue compared to a blue jay, but a little more plain, super long tail. Lots of different birds if you're a birder. Lots, yeah. of, lots of birds for me to learn and relearn. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Sarah, for teaching us a little bit about what's in your backyard. Yeah, that's just a glimpse. I feel very fortunate kind of to be here and have those animals to explore and lots of others to, to learn about. Again, this is just kind of a, a quick highlight. Lots of places to see those animals too. So before we go, I just real quick want to touch on that. It, we've got lots of wildlife viewing spots across the state. Um, I found uh, oh, like 29 national wildlife refugees refuges listed across the state, uh, 175 state parks, of course, the Everglades National Park, lots of other options as well, though, all over the state. Merritt Island, like I said, is one of my favorites. Um, that's out on the Space Coast. I did put out a call to other Florida natives to tell me their viewing spots. One of the ones that came up uh, was one called the Circle B Bar Nature Preserve, which is um, down in Lakeland, Florida. I've never been there, so I'm adding that to my list. Um, there's also the Ding Darling Wildlife Refuge, which I believe is um, 
on the west coast of Florida. Uh, nearby me, this is like half hour away, we have the Tibet Butler Nature Preserve people recommended. There's a place called Corkscrew Swamps, Corkscrew Swamp down near Naples, Florida that I've been to that I really liked um, as well. So there's a handful of recommendations for you if you're coming down. But I also found a great tool while I was um, working on this podcast. Florida also has the Florida Birding Trail, the Great Florida Birding Trail. And they have a website, floridabirdingtrail.com. And you can go to plan your visit on this website. And it's really cool. It only has bird species. So you can't search for other Florida animals, but you can search for specific bird species if there's something in particular you want to see. But you can also search by region and amenity. So if you are in a wheelchair and you need to go somewhere that has paved roads or boardwalk, you can search for that specifically uh, on this site. Um, and so I, it's really cool. And that is how I found my spot to go for burrowing owls. And it will, it's not just parks. So this is literally directing me to drive down a road. <laughs> about an hour away from me. It just gives me the street name and it's like, there's fields out there and drive down that road and see if you see some burrowing owls. Um, so more to come on that, but it's a great tool. So if you're planning on coming down to visit, you can take a look at floridabirdingtrail.com. That's what I got for you. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, if you stick around, we'll give you your challenge for the week. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the discussion this evening about native Florida wildlife. Again, I know this is a, a popular vacation destination, and we're, we're a lot more than theme parks down here. So, so come on and visit our, uh, our cool natural Florida as well. But like I said, I, you know, it, Florida is a pretty cool spot, but I really do feel that there's cool, cool wildlife around no matter where you're from. I actually would love to, to do more of that in the future with this podcast to kind of look at different specific places and get more into wildlife in certain areas. But that's going to be kind of my challenge for you all this week is to do that for yourselves. And this is a kind of a roundabout one that I thought might be kind of fun because so many of the animals that we mentioned or thought of when thinking about Florida are the state animals. Uh, look up what your state animals are. Do you know what your state animals are? Because you probably have a lot. I didn't even mention all. So I don't even think I said the manatee is the state marine mammal. So we have our state reptile, our state animal. We have our state marine mammal. There is a state insect as well, um, state bird, uh, which we, we mentioned is the mocking jay or mocking bird. <laughs> it's not uh, the Hunger Games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, so look up and see what your state animals are, and maybe that'll get you, um, get you going on your own local wildlife. If you want to do a beast mode challenge here, as we start off 2022, take a hike, go find yourself a new wildlife viewing spot in your state. Again, I do want to mention, I think it's really important to go out and get that nature time. And I think it's really cool to go out and see your local wildlife, please do it 
responsibly. Look, don't touch, don't approach, do it safely. Um, make sure, make sure you're being a responsible explorer out there. Uh, I w- want to say maybe that is your, uh, your compromise between having the mockingbird and the scrub jay as your <laughs> state bird is to just make it the mockingjay. Fictional. <laughs> I knew that I was going to do that at least once. I was so proud of myself for making it through that section without saying that. And I ruined it. Darn it. So uh, I guess a couple things to add on to that. Um, some things we, we touched on here is a lot of um, even the animals that are the state animals uh, still face challenges. Mm-hmm. So being a responsible nature watcher is a really good way to help make sure that you are not contributing to any of that decline. If you're someone who would really like to go hiking, but maybe doesn't have like has some sort of disability um, that prevents you from being able to access a lot of trails, there's a website called birdability.org and they crowdsource different areas. And it looks like there are 23 in Florida that are mapped out to try um, from other people who are sharing your perspective to show you areas that would be friendly for people with different sorts of mobility challenges and disabilities. So if that's something that you find a barrier to going out, looking at birdability.org is a good way to take down one of those barriers that you might have to being able to enjoy your local wildlife. But there's lots of interesting wildlife wherever you live. If you're one of our international listeners and you've got something cool you get to see in your backyard, um, even if you think it's normal, (laughs) you should, you should send it to us and shout it out because we'll probably be really excited and amazed that you get to see it. And you can always, I didn't put that as a challenge this week, but please like share your photos of your own local wildlife. You know, one of our first challenges on this podcast was getting your 15 minutes of nature a day, your two hours a week, uh, however you want to get that. Um, so yeah, when you're getting your nature time out there, share your photos with us, tag us. And I, I would like to, you know, explore different, different states, different regions, different countries and, and get more invested in wildlife in those places too. So yeah, we're, we're looking to learn more as well. Uh, one other thing I wanted to shout out that I forgot to do at the top of the episode, if you're looking for other places that are cool places to see wildlife, our friend Olivia has a podcast called Remarkable Parks, and I was on uh, her episode about Valley Forge National Park. So if you want to hear a little bit more of my voice and hear us talk about some really cool, interesting historical as well as nature related things about that park, her podcast is a good place to discover new things about places that might be familiar or might not be familiar, um, especially if you live here in the U.S. So if you want to check out another nature-related pod, that is uh, Remarkable Parks. But Sarah, if they want to find us, where can they find us? If they want to find us, they can find us on Facebook, A Little Greener Podcast. They can find us on Instagram at A Little Greener Pod, and they can send us an email at a little greener podcast at gmail.com. We always, always love hearing from you. So yes. Thanks for listening. Happy 2022. We are excited to be back. I'm sorry that I won't be here next week, but I can't wait to hear the conversation with Casey and our surprise guest host. So you'll still get a new episode from us next week. If you have any thoughts about what you want to hear from us coming up in this new year, please, again, don't hesitate to reach out over social media or to our email address. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye.